0: 11 through 20 Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against the flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places wherefore taken to you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all the stand And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. As I was thinking about how to honor and show appreciation to our pastors, I kept coming back to the armor of God. Our pastors definitely portray and are equipped with the entire armor of God, but today I want to share with you specific pieces of armor that they each are strong in. And that, that's how I see them. So we're going to start with Pastor Barry. Now he's on vacation today, so I'm going to read it as I wrote it because it's recording so then he can listen to it. So, Pastor Barry, you bring to mind verse 14 Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Pastor Barry, I have never known you to shy away from the truth when you preach, when you speak. You boldly talk about the truth, unashamed, not worried about what people might say. You hold on to what is good and godly, and you share that truth and righteousness with the congregation, not just from the pulpit, but throughout your life. You passionately love your family. You loyally serve as the head of the house, pointing and guiding them to the truth of God's love. And you have made us all feel like family. I know that I can call you and Donna, and just like a loving uncle and aunt, you will be there. You are a warrior for God, his truth, and his righteousness. I remember years ago hearing lessons on armor bearers, and in my mind, you have always been the example that I go to when I think of that important role in the church. You are ready and willing to do what needs to be done for God's kingdom. So, Barry, thank you for showing us how to be loyal, faithful, and bold in our faith. Pastor Letty, you bring to mind verse 15 and 16, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Pastor Letty, you have had many storms come your way. You have had many seasons of trials in your life. And through it all, Letty, you have walked in the peace of God. You have put on your boots and faced whatever storms with peace of God. Now, peace doesn't always look like you have the answers or know what's going on. It means that you trust the one who does. That is what I have seen you model time and time again, and it has taught me to do the same. Your faith is unwavering. No matter how many fiery darts hit that shield, you cling to your shield and trust that it will do the job it was designed to do. Your faith is a great shield. And because of how I've watched you, I know that whatever I am facing, I can go to you and you will bring me the encouragement and reminder that God is in control. I know that you will tell me exactly the word of God that I need that will allow me to tighten my own grip on my shield. So, Letty, thank you for being my prayer partner. Thank you for showing us how to stand on the word in all circumstances. Thank you for keeping your shield of faith on display. Amen. So next is verse 16, which I am splitting between Pastor Terry Dad and Pastor Jeff Honey, all right? 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I am the luckiest woman because I married into an amazing family. But I'm going to be honest with you. There was a time when I was an immature Christian. And man, Pastor Terry, he just really, I couldn't stand some of his behaviors. He just loved everyone. He forgave everyone. He gave people second chances as if they hadn't just backstabbed him. It was very frustrating. But then I got deeper into the word and I saw that his behavior was Christ-like. His behavior was how God had called him to minister. And here's something else I learned. The helmet of salvation is more than just being saved. The word salvation, it is the same word as healing. To be saved, is to be healed and God is a God who restores and over the years I have watched so many people be restored to God because of your annoying habit of loving them when they least deserved it now I'm a little bit more mature and I don't see it as an annoying habit at all but a direct reflection of the God that you love and know you have touched so many lives you have allowed God to use so, you so that many can be restored, that many could be healed, and many can be saved. And Pastor Terry, you're my favorite father-in-law. Thank you for being a man of God that teaches us how to love, how to forgive, and how to see people as God sees them, worthy. Pastor Jeff, honey, when I agreed to marry you, I never imagined that you would be where you are today. I mean, I thought you were gonna be super rich and we were gonna be living the high life. (laughs) Just kidding. 19 years ago, young and dumb Casey could not have dreamed of the life that we have been blessed with. One of the biggest blessings, aside from watching you be the best father to our amazing girls, has been watching God transform you into who he always knew you would be and who your parents always knew you would be, a pastor. At first, a reluctant pastor, but I have had a front row seat and have watched God transform you into someone who knows how to wield the sword of the spirit with precision and care. You have had to fight many battles you didn't want to fight. And there were many times you fought those battles with your own weapons, but not anymore. You have been transformed into a spiritual warrior who knows how to fight his battles with God's sword. Thank you for taking what you learned and sharing it with us. Thank you for being a man of God that I am proud to be married to. Thank you for believing that God can take an arrogant but brilliant man and turn him into a man humbled by the task at hand. To all the pastors, we thank you. We love you. Now, sometimes as the sheep of the pastures, we are stinky and messy and we wander off. But we thank you for your love, for your sacrifices, and your talents. You have blessed our lives. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you as you continue your ministries. I think they deserve a round of applause. (laughs) Now, I think something needs to be said about the spouses of these pastors, except for Pastor Jeff's wife. She has no clue what she's doing. What has been said about these pastors is 100% true of their spouses. They are partners in this ministry. And we thank you, Jan and Donna and JM, you are loved and treasured. And now it is my pleasure to introduce you to our guest speaker. Today's speaker is one of my favorite people to listen to. This man is passionate about his love for the Lord. He knows many funny stories that he isn't ashamed to tell friends, family, strangers, waiters when you're trying to order your food. He has had an adventurous life with many stories to cause his wife to shake her head and say, bless his heart. (laughs) He is a man that loves God so much that the word is truly hidden in his heart. So much so that when his eyesight was taken from him eight years ago, that didn't stop him from knowing the word. Our special speaker today is Terry Rogers. Now, don't panic. (laughs) This is the before Terry Rogers. Today, we will be listening to a sermon he preached on November 11th, 2007, Four years before his and Jan's life drastically changed. But here's what I know. There isn't a single thing that he said in 2007 that he wouldn't believe or say today. So, without further ado, Terry Rogers.
1: I told Brother Jeff this morning and he panicked. I said, son, I've got a scripture that I'm going to use this morning, but I'm just going to share my heart. I think when we share our heart, then people understand what is in our heart and what our wishes and our desires are. Some people may share their mind with you occasionally, but it's it's rare that people really share their heart. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. I begin to think about that and, you know, God is a God of today. God is a today God. None of us are promised tomorrow. Yesterday is gone. It's just a memory, but we have today. And I think that every time that God gives us a day that we should try to use it as wisely as possible for God. About 22 years ago, the Lord called me to pastor but I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God has called me to pastor family worships in a church. It's something that, that I know it's a calling that God put on me but the calling that he put on me is also a calling of my family. My family is a part of my ministry and as you join this church and join this body of believers and you become a part of our family, our family at Family Worship Center. And that's what we are. Is What we should be is a family. A family that loves each other. When the Lord called me, you know, pastors sounded pretty good, and pastor has some, some great rewards, but it also carries with it great responsibilities and accountabilities. And In the last, I guess in the entire 22 years, we've been kind of called, we will be a church here. Well, let me say it this way. November the 8th, this month, we were a church 19 years, and next year at this time. We've been a church of 20 years and that time we've seen a lot of people come. We've seen a lot of people go. We've seen God work in a lot of people's lives and we've seen him move a lot of people and And, and I believe that everybody that came was supposed to come but I don't believe everybody that left is supposed to leave. Amen? And people leave because something is wrong. They're not being fed something. Something is, is, is a muck. Something is not right and, and they're not getting enough of this or that that they need and the thing we got to realize is like Paul said here, or the writer says here, not Paul, harden not your hearts. As in provocation, he tells us that in the, in the living of our life, you know, things aren't always good. Does everything go well on your job every day? But it's a job that we do, and we we don't let it harden our hearts. Because if we let that let it get in our in our heart, then we'll eventually leave that job. We'll do something else. We'll go somewhere else. But I I think that we as Christians need to learn that I believe the writer was saying that that we need to put a guard on our heart to not let our hearts get hardened as people were tempted or people were were tried or or different things happen. You know, if we're not very careful in the things that we go through in our life, we'll allow. Bitterness or hardness to come in. And and I think when we get ourselves bitter, we get hard, then God can't use us. Amen. I believe we ought to keep our heart open. I believe we need to keep our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever comes to go, Jesus Christ is still Lord. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm not disappointed, but disappointment sets in. But I, I think if we're not careful, and you're saying, Brother Terry, what are you preaching this morning? I'm saying we don't need to, to get caught up in what we see with the seeing of our eyes are we here with a hearing of our ears, but we need to keep our hearts open unto God because He is the one that works in us to will and to do His good pleasure. Now, He tells us here that, that in that day, in, in the wilderness, the children of Israel were there, and they were so excited when God led them out of bondage. They were in such a, an excited stage, and, and they just had great things going for them. But just a short while in their freedom... They begin to allow things to creep into the life. And we as a church or we as individuals... We allow things to creep in their life. Things happen in our family that we don't plan on, amen? Things happen in our workplace that we don't plan on. Things happen in a church that, that we don't plan on. And we do not I don't think we meet them in prayer like we should. I don't think we bathe those things in prayer like we should. My Bible tells me that if my people, which are called by, their, by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek his face, that he would hear from heaven, healer land I think we need healing in our families I think we need healing in our personal lives I think our, I think our spirit man needs a healing because in the in the day that we live in the world has so much to offer and it has such a tug on the world that it tells you that you don't need to be connected anywhere you just need to just just do what you want to do and not get committed and not let yourself get involved or get hurt Amen. Because 90% of the people you talk to that's out of church and been out of church for a while, the reason they're out of church is because they've been hurt for some reason or another. Amen. Have any of you been? I've been damaged in the living of my life. I've been hurt. But I hope and pray that I, that I don't let those things get into my heart. Things are not always going to go the way that I think they should in my family. But that don't mean I throw my family out. don't mean I discard them. It means that I need to go back to prayer. I need to go to heartfelt prayer in God. Amen. And I can't go by the the way I feel. I have to go by what God says in my heart. Amen. Verse 12 tells us, take heed lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. God told me some things 20-something years ago that have not come to pass yet. That have not come to pass yet. Amen. Now, if, if... if I allow the enemy to steal that vision, that promise of God that he gave me, you say it was a promise? Yes, I believe it was a promise. I believe when God tells you something, it's going to happen, but it happens in his in His time frame. It happens according to his will, not according to mine. And and, and the reason he has that is because he has to get me in line for the promise. Amen. Because if he gives me the promise before I'm ready for it, then I'm going to mess it up. If I gave... One of my children, when they were three or four or five years old, a car, say, here's your car, you can have it, you can drive it at school. They're going to mess it up because they're not trained in it. They're not skilled in it. They're not licensed in it. But in the process of time, good things come to those that wait. Amen. So he tells me not to not to be anxious, do not to harden my heart and... And let an evil heart of unbelief come in me, separating me, separating me from God. Now, if everything that God told me that has not come to pass, if I allowed that to get into my heart, I would become a bitter old man. Hello? Hello? Or I become a better young man because there is a time and a season for everything that it has. In Ecclesiastes, for everything, there's a time and a purpose under the sun. There's a, there's a reason. There's a purpose. And so I'm saying today that I think that we as a, as a church, we as a family members, that we need to join to more together in prayer, praying one for another. There is absolutely nothing like the power of prayer. There's absolutely nothing in the world like unity. He said, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, it will be done to the Father which is in heaven. So I believe that we as a church, we need, to, we need to get ourselves together. We have to call those things that be not as though they were. We need to start trusting in God and believing in Him to bring great things to, to pass. But we cannot let a heart of unbelief but you know what? God is a giver of good gifts and he promises us that he's going to bring things to pass. Take heed, brethren, lest in any of you an evil heart of unbelief comes in you in departing from the living God. But exhort one another while it is called today. Now, now, how do I exhort you? How, how do I lift you up? How do you lift up your neighbor? How do you, how do, you do your neighbor? Let's exhort one another while it is called Today lest any of you be hardened. You know, I, as I read this scripture, time after time after time after time again, God tells us not to harden our heart. Well, I think if he's telling us that we need not to harden our heart, there's a great possibility that we have an opportunity to harden our heart. The devil will give you every opportunity in the world to sin the devil will give you every opportunity in the world to talk about someone, to destroy someone, but God also gives that same opportunity to lift someone up, to pray for one another, to exalt one another, to exhort one another, to just to just be a friend one to another. God tells us that if we'll be a friend, we'll have friends. He tells us to show ourselves friendly. I'm a friend of God, amen, and he loves me. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence, the beginning of our confidence, you remember how it was when you first got saved? What an awesome thing? What it an awesome thing when we got converted from that old man to that new man? What a wonderful feeling that came into our heart and there was such an, an excitement and such a zeal and we had worlds to conquer. But then, in the living of our life, we have to hold fast that confidence to the end. He said, "While it is said today, if you will hear my voice, hear his voice and harden not your heart, as in the day of provocation or in the day of bitterness, you know what the children of Israel got bitter out there in the wilderness. What happens is people get bitter in the things they go through in their life, and that root of bitterness settles in and roots in, and it begins to harden their hearts to the point that we don't let anybody in. We won't let our children in. We won't let our wives or our husbands in." We will let our best friends in. We'll, we'll harden our heart. why? We've been hurting that there. We've been, we've been damaging there. So I'm just going to seal like part of myself off so nobody can get there. And that's what happened. People set seal to where nobody can get in, nobody can penetrate that heart to love them. And what happens? The love of God leaves because there's no room there for anything but bitterness. Because of the things, for some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt, but Moses. God tells us, you know, when when, it, when an unbelief gets in our heart, it begins to choke out the vision that God has for us. It begins to destroy the goodness that he has in there for us. and It begins to destroy our faith. It begins to destroy our vision for the church and for our family and where we're going and what we got to do. And, and disappointment sets in. And that's what way it is with the church. We, we all have different things in our mind of how we can get from here to there, but we all need to remember that we are still family. You know what it does? It takes all of our energies together to make something work. And our job is to fulfill the work that he's called us to do. Here's what it is as a church. The more that we can work together. What's Walmart's slogan? Together all, together, everyone accomplishes more. Yeah. Same but it is in God. The individual, we can be loose cannons. And a loose cannon usually gets himself hurt. Usually gets his heart hardened usually gets into a pickle, usually something happens and he sets himself aside as an island. But as we work together, then nobody's disappointed, are we? Amen. The Bible tells me that the children of Israel, when they went into that wilderness, they got very disappointed in God because God didn't do things the way that they wanted him to do it. I think that's the reason many, many people are discouraged today is God's not doing things the way that they think they should be done. I catch myself and say, God, why didn't you do it this way? It's not my way, it's his way. And I don't understand it. I'm just supposed to believe. I'm just supposed to trust in him and rely on him and not lean to my flesh, but to trust in God. The children of Israel, they got their eyes off of God by thinking about their personal needs and the things they wanted, their personal needs. They. God brought this, these two million or so people, a family out of bondage. And as soon as they got their freedom, they lost. they lost vision of what God was doing for them and their lives. They begin to murmur. They begin to complain about this or that, about, the, about garlic and onions and, and, and things like that. They begin to fuss over things that, that, that were very trivial. And then that led to other things and their, and their heart began to get hardened. And they begin to blame God and you've led us out here, God, to die. Let me tell you, God never led anywhere, anywhere to die. When God leads you out, He takes you out. When God promises you something, it's gonna to come to pass if you don't lose sight of the vision. Amen. See, what happens when when, when hardness comes in, it begins to work on our faith. Amen. We lose faith in God is, is able to protect my children, God is able to protect my home, God is able to do this. We 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 lose we lose sight of that. And when when we lose sight of faith then the word of God is not operative in our life because the faith and the word of God has to be mixed together. And when when I'm disappointed in God and not walking in faith, and I'm hardened in God. I, I, I can't operate in faith because now these things have taken the place of faith in my heart and vision in my heart and, and the word of God can't, don't have room in my heart anymore because it don't fit because faith has to be mixed with the word in order for it to be operable in your life. Same way with us. Faith and, and the word of God have to be operative in our life and it's not going to be there if our heart is hardened. If we, if we got bitterness or jealousy or strife or any of those things in our heart then that chokes out faith the word tells me to trust God. My word, my word tells me to have confidence in God. My word tells me to have faith in God, to rest in God. But if I allow these things to come into my heart and choke that faith out, God said, take heed. lest any of you. An evil heart of unbelief, departing from a living God. See, that separates me from God. When I get to look into what I think could have been or should have been rather than what God is doing, then I'm separated from God. That's, that separates me. Amen. But, you know, the Bible tells me, you know, I, sure, we all get agitated. We all get aggravated. There's things that happen in our life because things don't go hard. But my Bible tells me to not be weary in well doing. You know, my time, my time for the harvest may not be God's time for the harvest tell you something, God's got nothing but good things for us nothing but wonderful things for us, sure we're going to have tribulation we're going to have trials but God's intent for us is good God's intent for us is good God's intent for us is good Amen and he's sitting there with just unlimited possibilities for us as Christians and opportunities for us and Christians to do great and mighty things for him and we're sitting waiting on him to do things for us he's already done it he's completed it the book is filled the book is done
0: What a powerful word, Terry. Was I was I right? There's not a single thing that you said in 2007 that you still don't believe and hold on to today. Absolutely. Do you want the microphone?
1: The money to get this address. This guy's not got a job. You need to hire him. <laughs> now, what a wonderful day. What a wonderful tribute. Thank you so very much. It's been an awesome 31 years. God has been good. He's done some wonderful things in our lives. In the near future, you're going to see more changes, better changes. God says one plants. I planted his church. Not because of anything I was, but God just used my personality to plant the church. I planted a church. Pastor Jeff waters the church. He brings the power of the word. But God's going to give the increase. In the next few months, few weeks, whatever, quick as I get where I can, has anybody ever heard of a mantle passing ceremony? Well, when I get to where I can, we're going to have an awesome event in this church. I'm going to pass that mantle that God has placed on me to pastor this church. To my son in whom I am well pleased and know that God is. So uh, be in prayer about that. It's gonna be an awesome time. Not that I won't still be a part of the church or still be a, a supporting pastor in the church, but I'll not be the governing pastor, but Pastor Jeff will be. So be in prayer for that. The day that we set that forth to do, all of you come be part. It's gonna be an awesome time. God taking that anointing from one and giving it to another. He's already got the anointing. It's just the changing of the wardrobe, just a changing of the pieces of the, of, the, uh, of the armor of God and the changing of guard over the house. Amen? Amen. Will y'all be in prayer about that? It's been an awesome day. When I got up this morning I, got in the, I, I felt awesome when I sat down in the car, the devil jumped on me with both feet, stomped on me till about halfway through the service. But he's a liar and a loser and don't give him an inch on a foot log. Amen. God bless. <clears throat> Wonderful day and we love you all.